I'm David Belson. And I'm Rachel Redan. And this is the Branding London Podcast. The first season is brought to you by Libro Credit Union, a group of epic humans focused on increasing prosperity in southwestern Ontario. They have just launched a new campaign, My Life Here, which fits the theme of this podcast quite nicely. To learn more, go to libro.ca slash mylifehere. We would like to acknowledge the history of the traditional territory and honor the longstanding relationships of the three local First Nation groups of this land and place in southwestern Ontario. The Ottawandaran peoples once settled this region alongside the Algonquin and Haudenosaunee peoples and used this land as their traditional hunting grounds. The three long-standing Indigenous groups of this geographic region are the Anishinaabe, the Haudenosaunee, and the Lenni-Lenape peoples. I'd like to recognize the three First Nations communities neighboring the city of London, Chippewas of the Thames First Nation, Oneida Nation of the Thames, and Muncie Delaware Nation. We continue to honor the legacy of the space we're in by using the Roundhouse to tell stories, increase collaboration, and work with our clients to improve human lives. We believe that telling the stories of our fellow Londoners will help bring us together to solve problems. So this is the first of the wrap-up episodes. We heard from Steve Bolton, Kapil Lakotier, and Lynn Davis uh, from their full interviews and uh, wanted to get Rachel's thoughts on the first three interviews and uh, and what sort of each uh, story brings that, that stood out for her in each one and uh, what kind of central themes we can draw on together uh, that we're starting to see. Uh, it's, it's early yet and we still have 25 more interviews to go, but uh, I think there's already some interesting themes that start to emerge. So my first question for uh, Rachel, we'll start with... Um, Lynn's interview. She was the first one that I did and uh, thoroughly enjoyed the interview with her. And uh, first question would be, you know, what do you think of the interview? What were your what were your takeaways? So as I was listening to Lynn's interview, I was like, man, she is just the coolest. Um, So that was my kind of first takeaway. I liked what she had to say about breaking down some of the barriers between the the silos that we have within our community and learning how to work collaboratively in a variety of different ways. I also really liked what she had to say about the importance of the arts and and her perspective on sort of how our community needs that alongside some of our more traditional industries. I think, um, you know, it's a, it's a theme that I heard through a few discussions that we have a lot to offer here and, uh, and that balance is kind of interesting. Um, I think where, you know, one of the things that really stood out for me with Lynn, and you'll you'll see this, again, I have all the spoilers, but uh, as we start talking with people, there's um, that connection between arts, culture, civic engagement, uh, civic pride, uh, you know, for those that, um, you know, engage in their city, uh, focusing in on the arts and the humanities of, of how we connect. I thought Lynn really framed that really, really well. Yeah, I think she did too. And there was something that I wrote down and I actually drew a box around it and because it really stuck with me and it was just this idea of resiliency. And I think, mm. you know, the fact that we have so many people doing interesting things, the fact that we have uh, traditional innovation alongside social innovation, the fact that we have the arts infused into 
our community and the way that people are engaging with the Grand Theater, for example, looks a little different. The way that people are engaging with community in the Old East Village looks different than it used to. I think all of those things are really, really kind of interesting bits of what feeds into our that piece of resiliency in our community. And I believe even the exact word resiliency came up a little bit later in Kapil's interview when he talked about the, the different economic sectors that um, they see with with LEDC and, and part of what makes London's economy a little bit more resilient. So um, that's going to be kind of a key word, I think, that, that we watch as we go. Uh-huh. Um, we, one of the notes I had, I thought she did a great job uh, of framing the, the what is a social entrepreneur and what's a social enterprise, because I think that's a term. Obviously, our traction where we work is a certified B Corp, um, but sometimes it's still really uh, hard to get your head around what the, the difference is between a traditional entrepreneur and a social entrepreneur. And I really appreciated how she uh, really put a great definition around around that for our listeners. Yeah, I totally agree. And I liked what she had to say, too, about what's happening at the grassroots level. And I think it feeds in really well to entrepreneurship, Uh, this idea that um, you can create the change really that you want to see. Right. So whether it's, you know, driving social change through protest, for example, I know you folks talked a little bit about uh, what's happening with with youth in terms of protest, mm-hmm. but also driving change through uh, through social entrepreneurship and solving some of the community problems in a way that's really uh, has a social return alongside the financial return. Yeah, I think hopefully the one thing that listeners can take away from that, if they haven't heard about um, impact investing or social investing, you know, I thought you really did a great job. Uh, you know, it is about the uh, investment and obviously the investors still want to see a return on their re- investment, but they're really looking at the impact of those organizations first and foremost. And uh, I think it's a really exciting realm. When you look at London, uh, I've heard, you know, uh, quotes of $40 billion worth of investable assets here in the city. Uh, to what extent can we get some of those uh, assets being deployed either both in the entrepreneurial landscape through startups or helping uh, social impacts causes, uh, you know, that money doesn't have to sit in passive uh, income streams. It can be generated here through social impact. So I thought you did a great job of uh, setting up the the podcast. Actually, she was the first interview uh, that we did. So I was uh, grateful for her to to take the leap and help me uh, sort out how the the podcast should go. And uh, you know, last but not least, I had a, a note, and I, and I think you teed it up with this, uh, the positivity and um, how uh, how much, you know, she was willing to uh, look past opportunities that didn't have the positive energy and how she um, didn't really care if people didn't quite get what she was saying. I don't want to put words in her mouth, but there was a um, little bit of swagger, a little bit of, uh, you know, I, I, I'm just going to do this and I want to do only things that provide positive uh encouragement and uh, I don't care what the naysayers have to say. I think we need a little bit more of that, uh, that here in London. Totally agree. Next up, uh, we interviewed Steve. Um, so teed up uh, a little bit. I, I have a confession that I really had a hard time staying on track with Steve, uh, not because of anything he did, but because it's so damn interesting on the uh, why, how, what. And that's actually, uh, again, a few months later now, but we've uh, adopted the high, why, what, how model or how 
Uh, see, I screwed it up on the podcast too. Why, <laughs> how, what uh, format? But uh, so it was hard to keep on the topic of London, Ontario, because I really just wanted to learn more about Libro, which is as head coach, that's probably his job. So uh, the first little bit, we got distracted talking about uh, business models there. But uh, I think the conversation was still really great. Yeah, I, I'll i be honest, when I was listening, I was mostly listening with a massive branding crush on, on Libro myself. <laughs> yes. So the attention to the London community and and what we have to offer uh, sort of wavered just on, on the listening end as well. Um, I'm obviously excited to see them as a fellow B Corporation. And I, I really appreciate how clear and consistent and inspiring they are in terms of, you know, what they really exist to do. Um, one of the things that really stood out for me, brief tangent, but just how clear they are about where exactly they have impact yeah. and That's not huge. just in terms of, you know, who they attract and, that sort of thing, but also where they invest. And I think that clarity is is just, it, it's pretty awesome. I I really appreciated the regional view. I think it's, it's something that is really important for us to keep in mind here in London. We are part of, we're part of a region. We're connected to, you know, really prosperous space and we have we have rich agricultural land around us mm-hmm. i think you know it's something to embrace as much as we can and i think to also just be aware of the role we can play within southwestern ontario as a leader in whatever it is that we choose to lead in i think for me um i would agree that the region uh came up and i think that's something you know we talked even about maybe exploring in the season two of this podcast is what is London's role in the region? Because uh, I think it's something that gets uh, forgotten about, gets underplayed. And I think Libro is actually a really good example of how when you take a regional view, you can have uh, success. Again, these things are always dangerous, time bounding, but I saw they opened an Exeter branch today, um, August 21st or 22nd. I actually don't know what the date is today. 24. 24. <laughs> we're close. Uh, but, you know, it's exciting to see them grow, uh, you know, within the, the region of southwestern Ontario. And, uh, you know, for me, it's pretty clear. I still remember, you know, and I'll remember their why probably until they choose to change it, but growing prosperity in southwestern Ontario. And I think uh, having that focus, uh, it's really easy to see where they show up and have impact in our community. So, uh, yeah. So there was some discussion just around entrepreneurship again, and it was a really common theme. And in this case, it was really about, you know, the impact that small, medium enterprises have uh, and have the capacity to deliver within community and within the region. And I think it's it's a really interesting and important thing for us to embrace because those, those big organizations certainly do have a huge impact on on our community and on our our collective, our shared prosperity, if you will. But certainly a lot is driven through the small, medium enterprises. And I do, I think that the way that Steve talked about that was was really interesting. And um, so that was kind of my takeaway there. Yeah, and I think, uh, again, it does come up uh, weaving, woven through. I think the uh, importance of 
small medium businesses can't be understated in this region. Uh, it's one of the reasons I you know I have my other side project called the RH Accelerator, uh, looking at how we increase uh, entrepreneurialism in our city and. There's a there's an appetite for it and there's a desire for it and I think uh, maybe is a nice segue segue into Kapil's uh, conversation because it uh, it came up there as well. Uh, London's long been standing a, a history of entrepreneurs and um, I think that narrative has been lost a little bit uh, when you look at the the names that are on our buildings, the IVs and um, Lobats. You know they're they're uh, were truly trailblazers in, in their time. Uh, we've forgotten that that's our, our roots, and I think there's a lot of uh, momentum right now to bring that back, which is exciting. Next, we had Kapil, uh, President and CEO of London Economic Development Corporation, and uh, yeah, what did you uh, what did you take away from that one? So the conversation with Kapil was really interesting on a couple of fronts, and it was again about entrepreneurship, again about you know our how we present in the region some opportunities for community development. And I think also just the balance of industries that help us to be more resilient. But I think also uh, something that I took away from that was we have the opportunity to learn from each other and collaborate in a really different way than other spaces where there is a single industry that's tied to a a space's identity. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think, you know, I mentioned in the podcast as well, but it's worth repeating that sometimes we look to uh, other regions like Waterloo uh, with Envy and say, boy, if we only had a tech cluster like Waterloo, but Kapil um, yeah, did a, a really good job of reframing why that's maybe not a, a great thing or why at least London's alternative economic structure is really good for our city and, uh, and provides a lot of opportunities for different types of companies to grow and succeed. Um, I think it's one of the things that we sometimes forget about too, is the importance of agriculture and, uh, you know, for us in the technology industry as well. I think other people, it, it's maybe less isolating, but we forget about uh, the amount of uh, innovation in, in agriculture, innovation and in manufacturing that happens uh, within this region. So, uh, you know, the other thing for me that I thought was really interesting is, you know, I've known about LEDC for 20 years, but before that interview, I, I wasn't 100% sure um, where it played in our marketplace. And I thought Kapil did a really good job. Uh, you know, that's one of the advantages of these longer forms uh, of communication is by the end of the 45 minute or maybe 50 minute conversation, I had a really good sense for what LEDC does for our community. And uh, it's really exciting to hear about some of their initiatives. Yeah, I agree. And just back to the comparison piece, I think that's something that we do a lot in this community and not just on the economic development front, but in general, right? And it's a lot of, and you're only two hours away from Toronto and you're only a couple hours away from the border, an hour and a bit away from the border. And and we do compare ourselves to other regions and what other folks are doing. And I think, you know, Kapil did a great job of bringing us back to what we do really well mm-hmm. and 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 the 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 richness of our sort of economic landscape here i also thought you know he really closed off uh you know some of the the reasons why he ended up in london uh and again we'll hear that uh, as we go but uh, he really opened uh the series with the, the choice to to move to london and to stay in london and why uh why he wanted to be here with uh with his family and i think uh again that's a theme that we'll continue to see emerge and i think anyone who follows how london has traditionally talked about itself won't itself won't be surprised to see that narrative start to develop but uh you know he has chosen to be part of this community and i think uh 
uh, the reasons why were really quite compelling. So, Yeah. And I think one of the positives that you touched on was really the safety net or the long runway that businesses have to take off here. And what I really liked about that piece of the conversation was how you got into, you know, folks wanting to help because they want to see good, positive success stories for London. Mm-hmm. And I think we do have a community that's really invested in telling positive stories. This came up a little bit in your conversation with Lynn as well. In terms of, you know, when we make when we make national or international news, even how do we how do we make sure that there are some positive stories <laughs> coming to the table? And I think we have a collective investment in you know, seeing each other succeed so that we can tell those positive stories and have something that's really our own to tell again, sort of to break out from from those those shackles of comparing ourselves to other spaces and 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 the imposter syndrome that can kind of come from that. Yeah, actually, it's interesting that you raise the imposter syndrome because I think that's I don't know if a, a, an entire population of 400,000 people can have a collective uh disorder <laughs> but there's definitely um, some form of that within the city that I find um, and that's why I think one of this uh, or this project or projects like it are really important because I think when you actually talk one-on-one with uh, these Londoners and uh, what they love about their city and what they uh, they find a value and, and how they engage with the city there's some really compelling really interesting stories which you know kind of goes back to why we made the editorial decision just to air the full interviews rather than take bits and pieces because each person has such a compelling story of of their London and their experience here and uh, it's exciting to kind of surface those and and be able to to talk about them uh, so at this point yeah I grouped these uh, three together two reasons. Uh, one, Lynn was the first in- interview that I did, and I thought she really set the the tone quite well for, uh, I don't know if it's struggle is the right word, but the tension that exists within the city of uh, its more traditional roots and business roots and the social enterprise that's, uh, you know, with Verge kind of taking the lead in the community and Pillar, you know, taking the lead in the community uh, from the social enterprise standpoint. Um, and then we heard from uh, you know, Steve at Libro, who's a certified B Corp, and then a more traditional um, agency like LADC that looks at economic development. So I, I grouped them together and called them sort of the tale of two cities because I think there's, uh, you know, a split identity in the city. I think there's, um, you know, some challenges that hold us back from being able to move forward as a city. Um, so I wanted to ask, did you come up with uh, any themes across the three uh, that were grouped together? So across the three, I heard some version of the value of entrepreneurship within our community and the importance that that we really place on supporting and growing that. The way I heard it come up was a little bit different. So there were some strong ties, of course, between the conversation with Steve and with Lynn from a social entrepreneurship perspective. And I think between Kapil and Steve in terms of you know, that sort of regional view. And I think between between Kapil and Lynn in terms of, you know, the opportunities that we have with the various different kind of seg- industry segments that we have within our community, you know, whether you think of it from a silo perspective and breaking some of those things down or think of it from a, you know, we have a lot of different industries here that, um, that, that really make up our economic landscape 
I think there's something really interesting in in the two sides of the way that they told that story and at the end of it, really the opportunity to collaborate and grow. Yeah, for me, um, you know, one of the things that I was most excited about, you know, there's some people who get down on our city and, um, and for good reason. And I think if you look at Steve and Capil and Lynn, they're all leaderships, leaders in their own specific area of expertise in, in their domain. And I think uh, the positive energy that all three brought to the, the city, their, um, their organization's ability to impact the positive outcomes in the city, you know, it, it gave me some really good uh, hope for the city going forward that we've got uh, some really good leadership and some key posts in the city and uh, was happy to hear hear their stories about why they're here and, and what they see the city. So, uh, you know, sometimes you can get down uh, about what's going on in the broader political spectrum or uh, or up, depending on your, your political preferences, I guess. But uh, it was really inspiring to hear from these leaders in our community. I totally agree. In the next series, I have Peter Frescatos, Kate Graham, and Titus Ferguson. And I titled that working group, What's London One Thing? So excited to bring those three episodes to you next. Uh, stay tuned. David and I have put our time into recording the Branding London podcast because we love this city and, more importantly, the people in it. Our Traction decided to produce this podcast because this work is aligned with our core focus of amplifying great stories to increase relevance, impact, engagement, and momentum. If you'd like to support us, you can visit our Patreon at patreon.com slash brandinglondon. Your generous support will help us to promote this season into more channels so that more people can hear London's good news stories and it'll help us fund future seasons. To find recaps, videos of some interviews, our Patreon link, or more information about us in this podcast, you can visit ourtraction.com slash podcast. Production assistance for this series was provided by Webisodes. Special thanks to Adam Kaplan for his help with recording the live streams and providing the audio from those interviews. We're also grateful for the technical production support of Michael Dales. Thanks for listening. Like what you hear? Subscribe to the Branding London podcast, like our traction on Facebook, or follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Thank you.